Welcome to Finance Feeds Podcasts. Finance Feeds is the world's premier interactive Forex industry news source, providing the latest insights and current affairs from within the online trading industry worldwide. Enjoy our latest podcast episode. The accounts provided by the trading pit to its clients are demo accounts with virtual funds. These are intended for traders to practice their trading skills and learn risk management rules. It's important to note that all trading activities with these accounts occur in a simulated environment. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Finance Beats Podcasts. My name is Nikolai Desai. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Finance Beats. Joining me today is Daniela Egli, who is Chief Executive Officer at The Trading Pit. Daniela, welcome to our show. Happy New Year. Hi, Nikolai. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Happy New Year. Really great to talk to you today. Likewise. Uh, Danielle, so to kick it off, I wanted to ask you, you've held leadership positions at various retail FX firms prior to joining the trading pit. I was wondering what led you to make the switch to the prop trading side of the industry? Um, there were several factors at that point. It's been a bit over a year that I joined the trading pit. At that point, I uh, was working in the retail brokerage business for 10 years and overall in the finance industry for about 15 years. So I had seen quite a lot. <laughs> and uh, I, I realized that the retail forex business is becoming a little bit sluggish. There was not much innovation happening. As you know, there's a lot of restrictions restrictions in terms of regulations, and it's not just um, as expensive as it used to be. Um, however, in comparison, prop trading is a new industry, it's very innovative, I mean, technologies are being invented every day for the prop trading uh, space right now. Conflicts of interest are minimized uh, with clients, product is very attractive and offers a huge benefit to the trader in order to provide them the ability to pass the barrier of entry, which is the capital, um, access to the capital. So um, these are some of the reasons and of course the great management. I mean, um, as we talked earlier that our co-founders Ilmer and Christoph, are great guys with tons of experience in the finance and tech industry. So it's difficult to say no to them. <laughs> um, I, I think I agree with you that prop trading has grown immensely in popularity with traders in the last few years. And I think since 2015, so has the number of firms offering such services. And from what I see today, everyone is trying to put their own spin, I would say, on a prop trading offering. Mm -hmm. um, you just mentioned the co-founders and, and the immense growth of, of this segment. Can you tell our listeners what makes the trading pit stand out from what looks like really an already crowded field of companies in the space? Yes. Yeah, so again, I'm going to go back to the management because I think that's uh, very important. Um, you know, we have uh, management that comes from this space. Uh, I know that a lot of companies that uh, pop up nowadays, they come from maybe from a more of a marketing space and so on. But although this may seem a little bit of an easier product, it's definitely very complex. It's so the management team is very important. We have a product that is extremely attractive with a low cost and immense uh, opportunity to scale up. We have a support team that provides incredible support. We are a multi-asset prop firm, so we offer CFD trading, but also we offer futures trading and we plan to offer stock trading as well. 
And of course, we have the willingness to grow with our traders, right? We listen to our uh, traders' feedback. We improve our products based on their feedback and our services in order to be able to provide them the best uh, possible outcome. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned futures and uh, possibly the ability to be able to trade equities uh, mm -hmm. at some point on the trading pit. Is that something that is a differentiating factor for you as compared to maybe some of the other, if I could call them larger players in the space? I think it's definitely a differentiating factor. Right now, most of the prop firms that are out there are mostly focused on CMP trading. You know, simulation engineers, we talk about prop trading, so just to mention here that uh, it's all on demo trading on simulation accounts, right? With mm -hmm. a setup for CFD trading on demo accounts, it's a rather simpler setup to do, whereas a setup for simulation accounts for futures or stock trading is a little bit more complex. Maybe the costs will be a bit higher, right? So I think not a lot of the companies will want to invest in that, you know, they will just want to go for the simple setup and, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but we want to offer a diversification to our traders, right? We want to offer them the ability to to trade other products as well, you know, maybe develop portfolios and have uh, exposures to different markets. So this is this is the goal that we have in the vision. And I think that multi-asset is a, a definitely a good uh, angle for our traders. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're aware options trading has become very, very popular in certain geographies around the world. I'm wondering what your personal thoughts are on options trading and how it could it be an additional asset class that could be traded by traders at prop firms? Uh, to be honest, we had uh, some very basic discussions and, you know, and we, we questioned whether this would be somewhere where we would like to go. But mm -hmm. with options trading, there's more risk and slightly even more complexity. And we just said, not for now. Um, maybe with, as we evolve as a company and the industry evolves, then maybe, you know, we will have the opportunity to revisit this and, uh, be able to set it up in a way that we think works best. But yeah, that's, that's not definitely not the priority. And I don't know, I haven't heard anyone attempting to, to go in that direction. I see. I see. I, I do completely agree with you that there is, there is a higher complexity to that market than there is to even futures, I would say, yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah, so. and, and, and although it's very, very popular, that doesn't necessarily mean that traders are, are being successful in that trading exactly. um, or, you, or, you, around, the, around the world. You, you carry quite some scary stories about options uh -huh. trading. So then, yeah, it's better to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to if, if we decide to do it, to do it the right way, not rushing into it, really assess, you know, um, all the risks and make the correct steps that will be suitable for the traders, but for us as well. Mm -hmm. If I was in your shoes, I would think that there would have to be some sort of educational component to it up front so that, you know, um, most likely, yes, most likely. Um, I, I wanted to also talk a little bit about the saturation of, of the prop trading space. You know, recently an industry colleague of mine said that they found something like 60 prop firms operating just in the United States alone. This is a person who just basically took some time and did some, you know, open source research on the internet. You know, in my mind, there's a lot of saturation of such firms in, in, in different markets where CFDs and Forex trading are offered. You know, but at the same time, earlier this year, we learned of the legal actions taken by U.S. authorities against a company called My Forex Funds. I'm sure you've heard of it. And earlier in our discussion, you mentioned, you know, you've been in the industry for 
10, 15 years now, obviously spent a lot of time on the, on the retail side. And I wanted to ask you, do you think we should expect consolidation in the prop trading space soon or at some point in the, in the future, given the history of the retail FX industry in the last, say, 20 years? Or do you think there's still an opportunity for what I would call the boom to continue in the prop trading space? I think for a while, the boom will continue. Um, it's still a very exciting space. Uh, the regulators are not yet paying too much attention. <laughs> um, so I think there's definitely, you know, room for a boom, maybe for another three, four years. We don't know, maybe when, when things may tend to slow down. Um, I do think that there will be some consolidation at some point when the, the, the industry will become more mature, when the regulators will catch on and they will want to start uh, maybe imposing some restrictions. I think that when, when the many firms that will come into this industry will keep trying to compete on price alone, so, you know, if you just compete on price, then, you know, there's not much where to go other than zero. So nobody wants to, to sell a product for nothing. Right. So I think that, uh, that's where we will see consolidation. We'll see that maybe 20 to 30 big firms will survive. And those will be the firms that will want to compete on value, the value that uh, they will provide to the traders and uh, those firms that have long-term vision that they will want to have a long-term relationship with the uh, traders and uh yeah i think that's that's where we're headed uh but i think there's still a few years of uh boom um, and let's see how that goes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um you know me also having experience in the industry for quite a long time it seems like things change when regulatory things sort of catch up right and at this point i, I guess this segment of the industry we could say that it's not necessarily regulated, but I think, you know, at the same time, looking at your firm at the trading pit and several others, there's always going to be firms that are doing things in a genuine way in the interest of their traders and not necessarily in the interest of, uh, of themselves. So I think in that respect, it, it is different from what we've experienced in the retail ethics industry you know, 10, 15 years ago when there were numerous players that essentially, I would say, sort of ruined it for every, for everyone else at, at a particular point in time. Yes, I remember those days as well. And I guess we're taking the brunt of those days uh, nowadays. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's... Uh, we will definitely say, as I mentioned before, I think there's going to... We're going to see a lot of firms that don't come from the finance background. They think that this is just a marketing game and they will try to, you know, to do something that will probably not be entirely good for the traders that uh, will attempt to work with them. And depending on how big these firms uh, will become and how much attention they will attract, because usually this is how it works, right? Uh, if they attract the negative attention, then the regulators will start paying attention and then they will start, uh, you know, trying to regulate. We, we actually, you know, we welcome regulation because we know that if you have regulations, there is a standard that everybody has to abide by, right? And we come from a regulated background, so this is nothing that it wouldn't be, it's, it's something very familiar to us, you know? Uh, so, uh, we, we would welcome the regulation and, you know, if it comes, I think it's 
for the best of uh, everyone. The standard will be set, everybody will know what to expect, uh, you know, you will be able to definitely discern which are the legitimate companies, uh, you know, against the others that are not so legitimate. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, it gives us a, a level playing field, so exactly. to say. Once, once such things come into play. I was wondering if I could ask you a follow-up question with, with regards to retail firms. I see, not a lot, but I see from time to time, companies that have long been retail FX and CFD oriented um, and also have institutional offerings uh, of some kind are also getting into this space. Um, some I, I see are launching basically a sub-brand of, of their retail offering to attract prop traders. And I'm wondering, could you comment a little bit on how do firms like the Trading Fit compete with such retail firms that have a longstanding retail offering and client base and are now trying to also get into prop trading, if that's something that you can comment on? We haven't seen that uh, as uh, necessarily as, as a challenge. That's not one of the challenges that we're focusing on. We are familiar with the fact that there are brokers out there that are considering, if not already, have set up their own sub-brands, as you say, that operate in the prop firm uh, business. Uh, we're familiar that some already had them for a while. And, you know, it's definitely easier, I guess, when you have uh, the infrastructure, a, a big part of the infrastructure. infrastructure. However, uh, the technology that is needed for crop trading is quite different. That's why I was saying earlier that nowadays you keep hearing of new technologies popping, popping up because there is no technology right now, well-established technology that offers uh, or covers all the needs of a prop firm especially the the risk parameters and the setting of the and the tracking of the risk parameters for the challenges and so on so that's that's a little bit of more, of a more complex technology that is you know there are obviously now a few players in the in the market but it's not something that is very well known so um there will be challenges for these brokers that set this up brand because it's not as easy. And also the, the business model is quite different. It's a, it's a different way of generating revenue. It's a different way of marketing to the client. It's a different way of treating the clients altogether because you, you, you have to be happy for the clients to be successful because you're going to be successful with them as well in the prop trading business, right? So that's why I mentioned earlier that uh, conflicts of interest are minimized and uh, it's, it's a different model from the brokerage business. So um, yeah, they, they do have, they will have a client base that already, you know, trades. So they, they probably have, um, let's say, a, a head start if we're talking about that but then again they they will have these challenges of understanding the model of you know and maybe sometimes it's it, when you come from a space that you think your experience covers everything that you need to know right you might shoot yourself in the foot because you're making the wrong assumptions right so you know it's uh I haven't seen that as a, as a major issue, you know, uh, we're not focusing on that. We're, it's, it's not a major issue, but definitely we will see, I think we will see brokers that are setting up sub brands and maybe we won't even know that some of the prop firm uh, brands are part of brokerage businesses because they might want to keep that separate for regulatory issues, or, um, they will just want to, you know, 
eliminate that conflict, you know, make sure that the clients don't see that link and don't think that, that there's a conflict. So we might not even know which brokers have what uh, prop firms, you know, so. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think um, mm -hmm. that's something that I haven't, I haven't considered yet. I wanted to go back just very quickly and ask you the MyForex fund situation, something that for me, maybe I was a bit naive, but it kind of surprised me. Uh, on the one hand, it's a US prop firm that uh, we could say got into trouble. But one of the things that really stood out to me was in the allegations that were laid out by uh, the prosecutors or the authorities here in the United States was that there was no clearing party to any of the trades on their platform. Which to me, again, maybe I'm naive, but to me, I was like, oh my God, in 2023, there's, there's, there's a company that is uh, essentially a prop firm, but it's not clearing trades. And if I'm a layperson and I want to get into prop trading, you know, I kind of thought to myself, okay, well, how am I even going to know? And what am I supposed to look out for when, let's say I want to choose a prop trade firm to, to try myself out, right? As a, as a trader, or if I'm already an established trader and I want to uh, sort of keep going because you have so much experience in the, in this marketplace. Now, I was wondering, can you give our trader audience some tips on what to watch out for when they're choosing, you know, which prop firm to join? Um, for sure. I think, um, some of the things can be quite common sense. Um, so for example, nowadays we're all using reviews to be able to know who we're signing up to or what even we're buying even if it's a new shoe shop you're gonna go <laughs> and check reviews is this shoe shop uh, legit right so i think that's one of the things that traders can definitely do nowadays easily there's many places where traders can check the track record and reputation of a firm they should check online reviews they should obviously avoid firms that have obvious regulatory violations you know you see announcements anywhere about some regulatory violations or you know they see that they have a poor customer experience i mean one of the one of the tools that uh, people use nowadays is trustpilot for example and you can read through through the reviews of different clients there or stakeholders and you can see i mean there, there, there's never going to be a company that's only has positive reviews. Actually, that should be quite suspicious if that's the case because Agreed. Yep. there's no, no, no way that you can make everybody happy. Someone will be unhappy at some point, right? But it's important to be able to check these reviews and uh, see is there a pattern, right? Is there a common thread through the complaints, right? Because if it's one complaint here, okay, maybe that guy was a disgruntled guy and he just wanted to, you know, to take it out. But if now we have 10 clients, we have 20 clients, 100 clients within a period of time that all complain about the same thing, you know, that kind of gives you a sense of what's going on there, right? And uh, when, when such reviews are in particular about customer experience and customer support, it's important to take that into account because, uh, you know, if you, if you start working with a prop firm and you're not able to reach customer support, it's, it's a big problem, right? You'll always need to discuss with customer support for one issue or another. So you need to be able to, to, to know that they are accessible. So that's, that's. Another thing that's important, check customer support, see if it's easy to, to reach out to anyone. Then uh, check success stories. So a big part of prop firms, uh, let's say proof of uh, success of traders are the success stories that uh, the prop firms publish. So that shows you that there are actually traders that are successful with that prop firm. 
right? So they can be uh, directly on the website of the prop firm or on YouTube channels, or they post them on blogs or something like that. There's different forums where traders themselves uh, can post their uh, success certificates with uh, different types of prop firms. So it's good to keep an eye out for that and see, you know, are there traders who are actually successful with the prop firm? Are there legit payouts that uh, this prop firm is providing? So that can give you a sense if, uh, if you will also be successful. Also, I think an important thing for traders to, to consider is the risk management practices of the prop firm. So okay. prop firms will always post, obviously, on their websites, the rules, uh, the risk parameters, and then the rules that they need, the traders need to respect in order to to maintain their account with the prop firm. And I believe that it's important to find prop firms that have risk and sound uh, risk management rules, right? Um, in the sense that if you have a firm that offers challenges that you know, challenge one one bucket challenge. <laughs> you know, everything is allowed. No risk management. It's already you know a little bit uh, a little bit strange, right? So when firms show that they are they really care about the trader, respecting sound risk management strategies that a trader would otherwise have to use if they had a real account in the market with their own capital, right? It's important to, to see. I think that's, that's a sign that that uh, firm is serious because it, the, the request to the trader to respect these rules is for the trader's best interest, right? And for the long-term lifetime of the trader with, uh, with the company. And yeah, and one, one that probably it's important for traders that have different trading systems. So you have swing traders, you have day traders, you have, you know, futures traders, stock traders, you want to check that the prop firm obviously offers the type of product and the type of rules that are suitable to your trading system, right? Because if you go to a prop firm that doesn't allow HFT and that's your system, then obviously you sign up and when you start trading, you're, you're going to be immediately breached, right? So you need to make sure that you meet the rules and yeah, they match to what you need. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. That's a lot of valuable insights. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit and speak about your leadership roles that we touched upon in the very beginning of our conversation. And I wanted to get some perspectives from you as part of our Women of the Industry series. This is something that Finance Geeks does in terms of interviews, articles, where we focus really on women who are in leading positions within the industry or are up and coming, so to say. And I guess the first question is, do you think it has become easier for women to rise to senior leadership roles within the industry today than, say, 10 years ago when you were an up-and-coming executive? Um, it's, it's very difficult for me to, to make um, a blanket statement, let's just say. I, I think it will be very difficult for me. It's, it's definitely going to be a biased opinion, right? Because I'm, I'm going to rely on my own experience and course thinking about my friends and people I work with and women that I work with but it's a very small sample size <laughs> especially in Cyprus but uh, in general I feel that I've been lucky I, I never had a feeling that being a woman was was a challenging thing for me growing into my career actually the biggest challenge to me was me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
so I I would say that I I many times if I in in hindsight I should have just get over myself and you know many situations and maybe I would have grown in my career at a faster pace. But uh, yeah, in general, I don't, I I think definitely women you know with every generation with the, there's definitely more women in the workforce more women uh, going up the ladder because also we're changing generationally right the mentality uh, of the society that we live in so i definitely think that if only that being a factor for sure we can say that there's more women right that are rising up through their careers than it was 10 years ago Can you share some challenges that you experienced when you were ascending in your career besides the fact that one of the challenges was you yourself as you had just said? Uh well, I'm going to say that it's personal development, one of the challenges that um I experienced. To be honest, I I think a lot of people and probably women in particular when you get into a management position, usually not a lot of us i think have the ability to be groomed into a management role right it just usually it happens you know you're good at the job as an you know you're executor as an officer whatever you've been you know doing a great job and then you're you're you know the next possible step is to to go into management and i'm not sure how many uh people have the opportunity to before that to actually you know work side by side with a manager that helps them guides them grow you know helps them grow and stuff like that i don't think that happens very often and i think that when you make that step you know into management for the first time it's it, it is a little bit of a shock because it's a very different way of working right you have to be a bit more strategic you have to learn to delegate right you have to the, the way you relate to the people in your team changes right now you have to do performance evaluations you need to learn to give feedback right um you need to start being good at conflict resolution because as a manager you're supposed to you know to do that right uh so there's many many different skills that i think that if you weren't paying attention a lot before because you were not put in those situations or you didn't have someone to particularly guide you in that then that's a little bit of a struggle for a while you know to to brush up on those and i feel like i struggled with that you know uh, a little bit when i i got into management a decade ago so i think that many times at that time i thought i wished i had a mentor i would have really loved to have a mentor in my life someone that whenever i felt like overwhelmed that i didn't know what to do you know i could just turn to them and just like ask them and i have a sensible conversation give me tips and guidelines and ideas you know how to deal with stuff you know um and i feel like that that's one thing that i missed in in my career right i had to i feel like i had to constantly learn on my own and it's not necessarily a bad thing because obviously you develop other skills when that uh, when you're put in that situation but yeah that's that's one of the challenges i would say the most important one and then of course the personal development the personal development which is a big challenge I got to i had to learn to know myself well enough i had to uh learn to have the strength to speak up for myself to set boundaries to take more risk to remove limiting beliefs uh to show up as an imperfect person i think a lot of us you know 
aim for perfection and we, we get bogged down when we're not perfect in what we do or what we say. And yeah, I think those, those were some challenging aspects of the personal development journey that I had to also undertake during my career. Growth. Mm -hmm. Great. I, I guess, you know, my next question was, what advice would you give to female colleagues who are in mid-level roles in our industry and have ambitions of becoming a CEO or C-level executive? I, I wanted to ask this because I see a lot of women in, in our industry that are in operations, marketing, compliance, many different functions. So they're, they're just not well represented today, let's say, at, at the executive level. And I think with your answer to my previous question, I think one of the advice you would agree uh, we could both give because I had the same experience relative to you is that if you have the opportunity to engage with a manager, someone who is either more senior, maybe they're in line with you. But if you feel like that person is a manager who, who can help you, who can mentor you, you should consider yourself lucky that there is an opportunity to engage with a person like that. And if there is, you should definitely take the time to do that. It would help probably to get over some of the, like you said, if I can call them fears, so to say. And I know for me personally, I had that opportunity. And so I had an opportunity for someone to be able to teach me on the side. It's not part of their job or my job, but to really kind of help me become a person who can manage a whole team of people and take on a hell of a lot more responsibility than, than I ever uh, had before. I guess if you agree with me, what other advice would you say you would give to other women who are, you know, exploring, thinking about, well, how do I... How do I advance further? Because my goal is to keep pushing. My goal is to keep uh, rising within the organization that I work for or within the industry itself. Uh, very good question. And yes, definitely one of my answers would be try to get a mentor. And I think nowadays than 10 years ago, nowadays it's much easier to find a mentor. And uh, I think it, it should be as easy as do you look up to someone, maybe you follow someone on LinkedIn and you like their posts, you really look up to them, what they achieved and, you know, who they, they are and stuff. And just reach out to them and ask them, you know, would you like to be my mentor? I think many times people are very happy to help, you know, and, uh, and I think that that would be one way to, to tackle that. And there is also actually mentorship programs that you can register now to and, uh, can get a mentor that way. But the other thing that I think it's really something for, is not only for the career, but also for life in general, it's learn, learn, learn. Like it's knowledge is power, right? And there is, you know, to me, the, the idea is that nothing is given to us on a silver platter. I mean, not, not, in, my, <laughs> not in my life, it's not, you know, if you want something, you have to get it. And the way you, you will get it in, in career, when we talk about the career, is by acquiring the skills, uh, having the knowledge, right? Um, you need to know your job inside out. You need to uh, learn to use data to be uh, able to create arguments in, a, in an objective manner as uh, possible, right? Because at sea level, you know, you need to think strategically, you need to understand the business very well inside out, to be able to refer to the data, to be able to make proposals that are good for the company. Yeah, you need to be able to, when you're not yet in sea level, try to get into uh, different areas of the business, to learn how the business works from this perspective, to start connecting the dots, understanding 
what part impacts what part, you know, and how, how each moving piece works together to create the whole. And just in general, you know, try to continuous learning, right? Whether it's from books, from podcasts, from courses, certifications, mentorships, whatever, whatever works for you, whatever is suitable for the thing you want to learn. I think it's important to constantly, constantly do that, constantly look to do that, to be curious, to constantly uh, want to, um, and, and slowly, slowly, because, um, you know, having the knowledge and uh, also another biases, use that, try to use that knowledge in practice as much as possible, right? Because just knowing things without applying it in practice is not always very helpful so it's good to try to apply it in practice as much as possible and uh and you will definitely stand out right um the other thing is obviously learning about personal development <laughs> you know i cannot stress it enough uh all the things that i mentioned earlier you know a lot of the times we are our worst worst enemy our worst critic um we are the the one that puts the stop to, to our growth or to our opportunities because we think, uh, what if this happens or what if that happens? Oh, but surely they won't listen to me or but surely, you know, uh, I don't have enough experience for this or for that, right? These this are some kind of, uh, you know, very common ways of thinking, right? So it's important to be aware of this, uh, of limiting beliefs and things like that and, and try to overcome them. Right, and try to overcome them and maybe switch the mentality to what if it works? What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> right? So, yeah, I think one last thing thinking of a role of a CEO or a C, other C level, one of the things I think that is very, very important is to be, to learn to be as cool, calm, and collected, I like to say, as possible. Because although, you know, emotions make us what we are as humans in when it comes to business setting if we let emotions get the best of us we're not able to think clearly and we're not able to focus on the solutions we'll focus only on the problem so the best thing is to learn to to manage the stress to learn, manage the anxiety to to be able to focus on what's important so keeping emotions in check is another thing that i think is important Totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> totally agree with all your points. Just thinking as you're speaking, I'm thinking about my prior experience and, and current roles and, and everything like that. And definitely very good, valuable insights. Everybody listening, you should take this into account. Definitely valuable tips. I wanted to finish it off. All of my last questions usually are kind of humorous. So we know that at the end of each year, like audio platforms like Spotify, you know, they give you this thing called Wrapped, where they show you the top musical artists that you listen to during the year and, and whatnot. But I wanted to kind of formulate this a little bit different. Can Daniela tell us three new musical artists that you actually discovered last year and maybe the top three movies that you watched last year? That's a fun one. <laughs> So musical artists, I don't usually listen to a lot of new musical artists and I'm going to refer to, so 2023, right? Because this year is too, too fresh. Sure. <laughs> Add three already new ones. Last year I actually came across one uh, singer that I also follow on Instagram and she, I see she's becoming more and more popular. Uh, her name is Morgan St. Jean. Um, 
she's her music uh, she's her own uh, songwriter as well so she's a singer and songwriter and she writes um, music that supports and speaks uh, for uh, women for uh, same-sex love and you know like very very supportive and you know i i, I really love her um particular uh, there's a song called do it like a girl that I, I was playing on repeat for a while mm-hmm. um then there's another one called kaleida and they have a tune that's called think that they really really enjoy a lot and john jr he's a dj and he had this tune that again i was playing on repeat called angelito and it's just you know this deep house with some sort of latin vibes it's really really catchy so yeah those are three of the ones that uh, i really enjoyed last year new ones nice. that i didn't know before yeah uh-huh. kaleida is also in my playlist ah okay in terms of movies i don't spend a lot of time watching movies because i don't have a lot of time and i always feel like you know watching too many movies is a waste of time maybe it's not good to say that but um i i did like now in the you know on the christmas period i actually binge watch quite a bit because i think you know i, I just took the time to relax and really waste the time <laughs> so um i actually recently watched uh, the mini series i think it came out two weeks ago three weeks ago it's called you are what you eat I think it's related to um, eating uh, healthy and, you know, there was like a study where they, um, they actually tracked people who went on an omnivore diet versus a vegan diet and then they tested certain parameters of their health and, you know, they tried to make some assumptions. Anyway, the sample size was very, very small. So, but yeah, it was interesting, interesting. I like this documentary that talked about, you know, healthy eating and uh, lifestyle and uh, it's interesting to see some points of views about the, these two diets. Um, I've also binge-watched the CrossFit documentaries. CrossFit is a sport that I enjoy a lot. Um, and I used to do it quite often in the past, but uh, I'm recovering now from a surgery and I'm hoping that I'm going to get back into it at some point this year. Mm-hmm. And finally, I actually watched the Matrix movies. Ah, okay. All Matrix movies. <laughs> I rewatched them now after so many years when they first came out and I enjoy them so much. It's just crazy how a, a movie can, can last so long and it still be relevant. Actually, it's so relevant, right? To what's happening nowadays with AI. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching them again. I watched all the all three, three of them, four of them. So those, those are my movies. Not really cool. new, some of them, but... <laughs> sure, but still good recommendations nonetheless for, for our audience, I'm sure. Yeah. So how about you? What did you, did you watch recently? I, to be honest with you, I watch a lot of uh, TV, well, movies and documentaries myself. I don't have the time to, like, I'm, I'm usually a reader, but if, if, if I'm too tired to, to, to sit there and read something, especially something very dense, if I could call it that. I would rather just turn on a good movie or a good like documentary series or something. There's so many of these streaming services now that there's so much to choose from. And I think uh, one of the movies that I saw 
close to the holidays or close to the end of the year is on Netflix. It's called the Leave the World Behind. It's with uh, Julia Roberts and a few other quite, quite famous, so, yeah, quite, yeah. quite famous actors. I, I don't think I, I don't think it's a movie for everyone to watch. You know, it, it left in a certain impression on me. So that's one that I definitely remember from the holidays. And I think right now I'm watching something, uh, some sort of like British limited series. I think it's called Fool Me Once. Uh, it's about some uh, a British ex-army uh, lady. A lot of, uh, let's say, Hollywood sort of script and twists. Uh, uh, but but it's it's quite interesting. It's also on Netflix. It, it, it's interesting because it's it's the, the way it's made, it looks to me like it's a bit different from you know, a lot of the other things that that uh, have been produced over the years in terms of like, you know, for commercial audiences. So I would say, I would say the, the, those two stand out for me. And music wise, uh, I actually used to DJ many, many years ago in New York City here where I, <laughs> where I live. Um, so for me, it's a lot of DJ radio show, DJ radio shows that happen every week and if you if you use uh i don't know about spotify but if you use things like apple music it's just something that automatically when there's a new mix that mm -hmm. comes out a playlist or or new music and uh, i'm usually you know in the car i will turn that on to kind of give myself a, a little bit of an emotional boost you know yeah uh, yeah <laughs> beats, beats and, and 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 stuff like that so that's sort of where I'm at today, in a cultural, in a cultural music TV sense. Oh, inter interesting fact. I didn't know about you, that you were a DJ. Uh... Yeah, it's something that happened. It was a long time ago. It has no relation to my current career. So, uh, Danielle, I think it's time for us to wrap up our conversation. I wanted to thank you very much for giving us a lot of deep insights into what's happening with the prop trade industry today. What makes the trading pit stand out from the rest, in a sense and also sharing some of your personal experience in terms of your work, your career, and for the suggestions or the advice that you gave to our listeners in terms of women who want to growing and, and, and rise in the industry on what they should or could focus on to grow their mm -hmm. careers. Thank you. I think that's very, very important. Thank you. Also, I'm really happy to share my experience and, of course, to talk about the trading pit. So thank you very much for having me on your podcast today. Yeah. You're welcome, and best of luck to you in uh, 2024. I'm sure we'll see each other at an industry event or maybe in Cyprus uh, later this year, and I'd love to catch up. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you, Nikolai. Thanks for listening to our latest Finance Feeds podcast episode. For sponsorship opportunities or to become a guest, please email us at info at